when you can't trust yourself, you count on the goodness of others. And therefore, you have to be good to others because they will be counting on you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chai with Rai. Hi, I'm your host, Rai. And each week, I bring you a guest or a fruitful message from the creative industry, all while sipping and spilling some hot garam chai and discussing all things life and culture surrounding the creative industry of course now if you haven't done so make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode if you love this podcast and are listening to this on spotify apple Podcasts, audible or wherever you stream your podcast from if you could do me a kind favor and make sure to rate the podcast and share it on your stories on social and spread the word it organically grows the show and connects us with listeners who haven't tuned in before and overall just shares the love. So without further ado, let's warm up our cuppers and let's dive into today's episode with theatre maker, director, actor and all-round multidisciplinary artist Victoria Chen. If you haven't tuned yeah. into the show, by the way, I like to start the the whole thing with like a little bit of a buzz round. It's called the five second rule, which is basically you have five seconds to list three things, say three things, do three things. So we'll do a test run and then we'll go into it. By the way, just to like know, when we go into it, I'm going to like quote you and your work, which is meant to throw you off from like the actual thing. You've got this. You've got it. Just have fun. All right. This is your this is your test question. In five seconds, list three things you do before you go to sleep. Brush my teeth, moisturize, text. Nice. See, you've got this. You've got this. No longer test runs. We're going to get into it. All right. In an article for We Are Resonant, whilst discussing Ed Skrine, I always forget to mispronounce Ed Skrine, that. Ed Skrine, Ed Skrine, Ed Skrine, Ed Skrine. Um, you wrote this really wonderful article where he turned down the major Ben Daimo who in the Hellboy reboot, which was originally for a Japanese character. And you write, and I'm just going to quote you, by the way, from this. It's a long quote, but I was just like, it's a very mm-hmm. wonderful quote. Don't be political. Perhaps this would be applied to a large majority of actors, but it is a huge risk of anyone whose experiences in the industry is political in itself. I can't just be an actor. I have to be an East Asian actor. And suddenly the roles I play to take on new significance, if I play Juliet, my forbidden romance with Romeo becomes a racial tension. If I play Ophelia, I am the oriental lotus flower with unrequited love. If I play Lady Macbeth, I am Dragon Lady. I wish I didn't have to be political. Like many others, I started acting and joining theatre groups because it was a place where I could be myself or where I could be whomever I wanted to be because I was so uncomfortable in my own shoes. But when you grow up seeing yourself only in brothels, takeaways, gambling dens, temples, mafia, the background, the basic plot device to advance the white character's narrative, you start to question where you belong not just on stage and screen, but in the real world. Damn, oh damn, that's a good quote. So in five <laughs> seconds, list three things you would run on if you were running for Prime Minister of the UK. Go. Um, um, a climate crisis, yeah, homelessness, gender gap. Okay. Gender so O gap. No, what? the gender gap, the, oh, the, the, the wage gap or whatever. Nice, nice, nice. All right, you got this. In an Instagram post on posted on your page on December 3rd, 2015, you write the following. Lesson learned in theatre. Number one, independent practice is paramount. Number two, never waste a free studio. Number three, C, get used to a closet of muted colours. And lastly, make your own playlist or hold your piece. So with that in mind, list three fruits that only bloom in summer. Go. Uh, watermelon, strawberry, bananas. <laughs> Am I meant to be right? Okay. Bananas are like all year round. Durians. Oh. Have you had a durian? No. Oh my god, it's amazing. All right. Mm, love it. All right. Mm-hmm. You did good. Strawberries are seasonal, but are there summer fruits? Yeah. No, I don't even know when fruits grow because I'm from the tropics and we've got fruit all the fucking time. Yeah, but can like, I, can I curse in your on your book? Yeah, yeah. Oh Shoot. my god, it's so okay. fine. Pineapple, I would say, is like a hot weather food. Watermelon, mm. yeah, melon as well. I just mangoes. Oh my god, yes. So, like mango. in the oh my god, I bought like dried mangoes from the Philippines. Delish. <gasps> Coconuts. Oh, I love it. Oh, all right. 
2017, your third, your final question. In 2017, you won the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland's Principal Award for All-Round Excellence. And that same year, you did a commercial for Gerber's Toddler Snacks. Ah, did Aladdin <laughs> the Panto and played Sulin slash Jess in Table by Tanya Ronda at the Cockpit Theatre. So with that in mind, <laughs> I hope your pop culture knowledge is great. It's awful. With that in mind, list three songs by Britney Spears. Oops, I did it again. Toxic, crazy. Nice. I was going to say Backstreet Boys, but I was like, I feel like Britney's better. I wouldn't even know what the title is for Backstreet Boys. I used to <laughs> listen to them and I have no idea what the titles are. Wait, who, do you listen to pop music or not really? I do when it comes up, but I never know what's what. Yeah. What do you listen to out of curiosity? Intrigued to know that. So I haven't listened to things in a long while um, because I think I'm just always tuned into technology and, you know, something really synthetic, right? I'm on my phone, I'm doing emails, my laptop. So when I've got time to listen to things, I'm just listening to nature now. If I take a walk, I'm just listening to the traffic and, you know, the sky. Yeah. Um, once in a while, you know, when, if we're rehearsing for something, then we listen to the rehearsal playlist but that's not me choosing to do it. It's just there. Yeah. I think that's such a, like, a theatre thing to do, like, <laughs> playlists. Yeah. Like, either you make for your character or you make for the play itself. Or, like, sometimes the director, the movement director or producers will put it on. And I'm just like, sometimes it helps. Sometimes it's just a massive distraction. Because it doesn't relate sometimes. Yeah. No, it's just them going, get your energy up. And you're like, but this play is meant to be really sad. Yeah. And you're like, no. <laughs> Before we get into deep, meaningful conversations, I wanted to ask two silly questions, which is, are you one of those people that are into Instagram aesthetics? Because I saw three grid tiles matching the same thing. So talk to me. Is that a thing? <laughs> is that a thing that you're also into? Because... No, I was... What? Which one are you referring to? Can you... Do you have, like, a picture of that? Yeah. I think I know what you're referring to, but... What, yeah, there's what, a so whole block, which is, like... It needs to be matchy-matchy. It needs to be yes. on the same thing. So I'll be honest. I Oh, my God. I, I, I'm not a big fan of social media. I was very late to Instagram. I think it started in 2012 or something, or 2011, 2010. And I joined it, like, 2015 or 16. And it was my friend telling me, you've got to get it. Because someone gets, you know, an Instagram handle that you like then your career is over. You need social media to do something. And I was I was at a point in my life when I was thinking, is there nothing more I can do for my career, like to build, you know, my profile? And I thought, oh shit, I've got to work with social media. And the other thing I had to do was start a TikTok, which I don't have. So I decided, okay, you know, I'm just going to work on my bloody Instagram. And one thing I see everyone doing is this triplet thing and I thought I'll just do it then so I tried and I really really tried but as you have seen from my Instagram I've lost it and I don't even post anymore like my headshots are not even on the Instagram yeah but it's I don't really think bad. you need to I think some people do some people don't it's like what works for you doesn't it but I, yeah. was, I was gonna ask you in one of the rounds which is Victoria Chen I found four Victoria Chen's two of them are in the film industry so mm -hmm. I was gonna say is there a message you want to send out to the the bitches and just be like change your fucking name <laughs> I mean I'm really proud of them I guess but like it gets really hard because I'm trying you know when people want to google you they find someone else and I'm like fuck do I need to change my name to like Madonna of vehicles <laughs> which is my Instagram handle like do I need to really come up with such a unique name that people associate me immediately when they hear it would you um, change it because you know how you can like no I actually think it's too late in the game I really wanted to change it to just my Instagram handle vehicles yeah. but I thought if I do that it makes it seem like my you know my identity my personality is more important to me than the work I do and I don't agree with that I I don't mind if anyone anyone could call me anything at this point as long as they know they're talking about my work yeah right that's fine and like my parents gave me the name they're, they're really proud they named me Victoria uh, Chen, you know, it's my heritage. It's my dad, my dad's name in a way. It's his, he's, he's not got the same surname as me, but he thought his surname wouldn't sound nice with Victoria. So he changed it. So mine's a Mandarin version of it. And his is a dialect version of it. I think it makes more sense to put it in. But I did think of changing it to like Victoria Pickle. <laughs> because when I was in uni, that was my nickname, Pickle. So I thought that'd be really cute. All right. Well, fair enough. You never know. Yeah. I know lots of actors that have like recently changed their names, especially. Oh, it's like against me. I feel sorry. Continue. No, no, continue. no. Go for it, please. Yeah, yeah. 
Why does it yeah. work against you? Like, I mean, you, you quoted me there, right, about the, the really um, sad post I wrote on, on Resonate, um, <laughs> that, you know, it, it's they start putting you in a box without realising. And I think people, with the, you know, the best intentions will still subconsciously do that. But if I change it, I'm just denying myself, really, or, like, denying, you know, the background, the people that brought me here. Like, I'm not just me. I'm the product of my ancestors and everything and my culture. Right? I can't deny that. So... At some point, I just got to work a lot harder to make sure that my name doesn't, you know, doesn't come with associations beyond my work anymore. Right. Right now, it, it belongs to my gender. It belongs to uh, my 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 culture. At some point, I just want it to be like, that's thick and that's it. Do you yeah. feel like that would be a self-realization or that'll be an exterior realization like from the industry, though? Because I think the two are very different. Oh, they are to like one is dependent on yourself and self journey which can take time like this or it can take like a long time and the industry can also yeah. like it has sped up because of covid but then it can also mm-hmm. like slow down it slowed down and sped up at the same time like we were having a moment and then covid hit and everyone who was east asian got tons of shit thrown at them and now we're like back to square one and like every single time something good happens something else happens against it and it's mm. just you know back to square one again and again and again and it's really tiring i i think i realized you know from a many years ago in drama school that it's not me deciding this is my limits everyone's saying it to me and at some point I adopted it and I've now got to fight it for the most part I don't live with that baggage but you know once in a while you get reminded of it and you're like oh fuck you know so so that's that's the annoying bit but still very happy to be to be here in London working what in the thing Is it okay if we unbox that? Because that was one of the things that I was going to be talking about because I love discussing that. So the two... Go for it. So Mm -hmm. intrigued to know two perspectives, which is when it comes to storytelling. Mm -hmm. I always ask this question, which is authenticity versus representation. So if something is specific, so if it's a queer role, it's a Vietnamese transgender activist, Mm -hmm. does the person playing it need to be of that elk and does the behind the scenes need to represent that or does it does the story take precedence and your thoughts on that as a maker as somebody who's behind the scenes mm-hmm. and as a performer that I'm sure you experienced this I experienced this as well like the industry sometimes mm-hmm. cannot tell the difference between like an Indian a Pakistani a Bengali and yeah. like all of the subsectors so interested mm-hmm. to know two that parted question and then would you like me to ask the second one later or would you like me to say that now what's the second one the second one is how we get boxed and how our perception undecodes that to get to a healthy space where that is we recognize it and either we utilize it or we walk away from it and do completely something else or we find a third route and be like okay, this is who I am, but this doesn't define me. So when I approach agencies, when casting directors, when I choose projects Mm -hmm. or anything else, I'm going to have a healthy relationship with quote unquote, the boxing. So that's the second part of the question, which Mm -hmm. would you like to explore that later? Yeah, they're like two really big questions. And I know they're related, but they're like two separate episodes at this point. And I don't know how I'm going (laughs) to You got got five minutes to answer them both. So choose your time wise. I don't even think there's a formula for the answer. I really think it depends on where we are in the movement you know we're not just one thing all the time right everything's intersectional and depends on the conversations being had about those things at the minute right like historically there are lots of male roles roles from for for men and male presenting identities and bodies and therefore you know if we want to do anything with that we are full power to do that because we already understand right that that uh, that has been established. But if you're in a position where, for example, um, with with um, let's say queer identity, right, different parts of the queer of the queer umbrella are at different stages of uh, stages of their liberty at the minute, or you know, of their liberation at the minute. And I think even even within that, uh, there is something that. There, there is some some sort of um, caution that needs to be consideration. I mean, that needs to be had towards casting people to present those stories. Now, ideally, 
in a world, I want characters who just happen to be, for example, trans, who just happen to be ace, or just happen to be polyamorous, and that has nothing to do with the story they're playing. They just normalize that people like this exist in our world and in, and in stories and the media, but we're not at that stage yet. Right. We are getting there, I think, very slowly, but we're not at that stage yet where I literally can just see a gay couple on screen and go, oh, but it's not about being gay. It's not about how hard it is to be gay. They just happen to be gay, you know, and I and I think depending on what the conversation is, you know, the answer is going to change. Now, for for me personally, as a as an East Asian and Southeast Asian uh, performer, right, to me, a win for one is a win for all because we've been, you know, invisible for so long, right? We've been boxed in for so long and I want to see, you know, anyone, if I, if, let's say the role was meant to be by a Singaporean, for example, a Singaporean character, but that had nothing to do with the play. I think anyone who looks like me should get a chance to play. And even within Singapore, the, the ethnicities within our society, they're so diverse as well. So who's to say there's one look for being Singaporean, right? Now, that depends on the skill set. So going back to that, if you, you know, being from Singapore, if you need the accent from that country and you can't pull it off, then you should be finding an actor who can pull it off. And chances are they come from there, Right. Now, I think if you can pull it off, that's a skill set. And then by all means, you know, you have a shot at the role, but oftentimes you're still not even at that stage. Like if I, you know, could sound like someone from Singapore and you're still choosing someone who sounds very American and doing something, doing a really poor job of sounding like they're from Singapore, then, you know, you're just doing everyone a disservice because they look really bad on stage and we still don't get the opportunity. And now everyone thinks people in Singapore sound like that, right? So the answer is really, I think it, it changes depending on what kind of identity we're talking about, where they are in the movement, that, you know, in terms of their liberation. Ooh, the boxing thing. Uh, how I work as a creator and how I work as a director and how I work as an actor, there are some differences. It sounds like you're talking about casting. So I, as a performer, right? As a, When I'm an actor, how do I make the decisions? And I would say I... as a create, sorry to interject your yeah, thought, yeah, but I would surprised. say even as a director and writer, mm -hmm. I sometimes feel like you'll be boxed as a female writer or yeah. a POC writer or like mm -hmm. a director that can only direct, let's say, love stories or drama or thriller based and things like that. Yeah. So there's there's mm -hmm. those boxes still. So yeah. Yeah, I'm really early in my in my directing career in that, you know, I'm still considered too inexperienced to be an assistant director, but I've also directed my own projects. And, you know, it's, it's you know, it's just, there are just so many things to consider when you're doing that. And I haven't been boxed in besides, I'm, the only box I'm in right now is inexperienced. <laughs> so, so I haven't reached that, that point where I need to have a conversation about it with myself. But as an actor, I've done enough work that I see a pattern going on, right? And from how I see it, I actually think a lot of the decisions being made are not within my control all I can do is show up and you know look at the character and decide how I'm going to do it and it's up to the casting director and then beyond that the director the producers the executive producers to decide what they want for this story and no matter what you choose as an actor I think the reality of the business is lots of it have nothing to do with you nothing to do uh, with how you feel about things right when you become an actor very often you become a conduit for someone else's vision right and you can be very collaborative and that's very I think that's quite rare at the minute but the people who really make those decisions and I don't think it's you because you go into audition for them so you you know whatever happens to you depends on what they say about you because of how much how hands-off it is for an actor to make those decisions I think it's it's completely fine I would never fault an actor for saying yes to a role that ended up being really problematic or you know ended up being really controversial because they have had layers and layers of people beyond them making those decisions for them and I as an actor I would want to trust that you know I all I can see right now in front of me is a script and I'm probably going something about this mm, it doesn't seem like I'm meant to play it, but they've asked for me so I think they have some plans they're not telling me about at the minute i'm going to trust it right so 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 because of that i'm going to want to audition for it and i'm going to see okay where does this play out obviously at some point in the process you're going to say that's beyond my values or that doesn't coincide with my values and i have to step out but it's already so difficult as an actor to choose work that that i don't fault an actor for choosing work with the limited information they have in front of them the people I feel who should be responsible for making these decisions have to do better. They, you know, the producers who know how they want 
their story to be told, the directors who know what kind of people need to be in such stories and how to how to recognize these identities on on stage or on screen. They're the ones who need to do better because they, I feel like actors, we already have these conversations, but push comes to shove. We only have this many jobs in the industry and, you know, everyone's struggling all the time. So if you're in the position of power and a position of money and a budget, you have to, you know, be responsible for that money and where it goes to. And if you're just keeping it within the same circle of people, that is on you. And you can't, as an as the actor, you just end up being the face of the project. And you end up getting lots of flack for it. But truth is, you never made much of a decision in the first place. You just trusted a team to take care of you. And now you're getting fucked by the public for that. You know, the resonating thing you're talking about with Ed. I know I'm jumping on you. You want to no, you, no, and you've got another question. So that was many years ago. And obviously, we were all really upset with him and he had to step down. He should never have been in that position first place you know he should have someone should have told him like okay look we wanted to go with this because we think you can do this and this and that and you know navigating this in the context of the fact that this used to be an asian character blah 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 you know someone should have had that conversation within themselves in the first place before even bring him into the room and he probably thought oh they're really you know changing it up you know adaptations happen that's normal and that seems like a fucking good role i'm gonna want to take it right and it's the same with miss saigon like lots of people you know, that we, we, we've got lots of issues with Miss Saigon at the minute, but if you tell me you get to be a leading role in a musical that has such a legacy, how easy is it for you to say no to that? And if you're a jobbing actor just looking for a break, it's so hard to say, I can't blame them for saying yes to Miss Saigon. I also think, I don't know if this is a personal thing that I'm going through. I mm-hmm. think it should be a transparency in business decisions. So mm-hmm. it can be this person's on a rise or we're testing this person out for a franchise that's going to come later on. So this is like the building yeah. block of their career. Or this person yeah. has a high profile. So we're bringing Yes, like up. Scarlett like, Johansson. Yeah. Like these, these conversations should be like, I feel like they should be transparent. And then mm-hmm. maybe then the public can be like, okay, I have X, but guess mm-hmm. what? that story needed to be retold. It needed to be reintroduced for us to like make things to it. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. And you said something about profile, which is really true. Like there's some celebrities, there's celebrities, they don't need the money, they need the opportunity. Stop taking jobs away from other people who, you know, are are always being glossed over for, you know, the white actor or like the Mm. straight, white, hetero, whatever actor. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't say this with hatred or bitterness towards them. I think they just haven't, had to be in a position where they had to, you know, say these things because they're so used to to fighting to get to where yeah. they are. They haven't shifted their perspective yet going, no, I actually can step back now. You know, I, I'm, I, I'm all right. Yeah. But I feel like that should be within our industry as well. Like more I'm mm. seeing like, oh, wait, that role involves somebody who needs to be heavily trained in movement. That's not me. Let yeah. me pass it along to this one person who always yeah. who needs this work, who has the skill set. Yeah. Like even on our, like, I hate to say it, even on our base, we mm-hmm. need to be able to have those conversations. Interested to know your experience in the Boomi Collective, Bari and Co, Wild mm. Rice Productions, which you did a lot of panto work with. So the person who started Boomi Collective is called Shy, and he's now changed the company to Bari and Co. So basically run by the same person with a different name because you know leadership changes or like organizational structures change or mission and values change. Um, and Shy and I we met when I was just fresh out of high school and I think for some reason he saw something in me that I hadn't seen myself yet and he kept investing my potential he kept saying hey do you want to try this opportunity do you want to do this and that he kept calling me in for projects um, before I went to drama school and after I graduated from drama school he just started his company and you know I think because we'd gotten along so well and worked so well together he offered me a position as associate artist on the collective and through this pro- uh, this partnership is when I started doing Charlie and, um, you know, Three Little Girls and all, and all these other uh, theatre making projects. And I'm just so lucky that every time I've got an idea, the first person I go to is Shy. And I say, Shy, I've got this idea. What do you think? And he will either go, OK, we'll do it with you. Or we'll go, no, it's not within what we want to explore, but you could try this and that. So I've got someone, you know, in the professional sphere He's also a really good friend who, you know, has my back. And that is something I think lots of us are still trying to find. But I've been lucky in that I've got someone like that who supports the work. 
I want to do as best as he can. So, and with Wild Rice, they're an established theatre company in Singapore, and it just so happened that they were looking for a really short person to play a rat. And out of all the short actresses, I was the only one who could do it <laughs> because everyone was busy or something. So they went with me, and I guess they enjoyed it so much that when they put up the same production again, they thought, hey, "Yeah, do you want to do it again?" I said yes because I love the show, and that's how I ended up in it. And Wild Rice is the per- uh, is the organization that gave me my uh, directorial debut as well so I did Bull by Mike Bartlett in Singapore and that's a Singapore premiere and that was amazing but it just so happens it seems like it, it seems like they love working with me I'm sure I hope they do and like it seems like they only ever want to work with me that's not true it just so happens they need someone short and I, I happened to be there and available that was it yeah but it was fun it was great I'm really grateful for it interested to know how you made the switch from performing into theatre making or just making in general so fun fact, I started theatre making before I started performing because the high school I went to, uh, they were training us to be uh, divisors, creators. And I think it was just, you know, a priority of, of the landscape in Singapore that they wanted more creators because we had too many actors already. So we we did lots of that devising and like theatre making. And one day I realised, shit, I don't know how to fucking act um, <laughs> because I'd never done like a production or never done a course in it. It's just, you know, creating and movement and all the, all the crazy things that come with it. And I decided, shit, I think I need to go to drama school or, you know, do an acting course. So that's how I got into acting. And it made a lot more sense because, you know, the opportunities you get to create work is not as frequent as the opportunities you get to to be in a work, right? If you create a piece of work and you've got 20 actors in it, that's 20 people with jobs and they're actors, but still one of you is a creator. So I think, you know, mathematically, statistically speaking, made more sense to try and to try and be an actor as well. And that's what I did uh, in uni. So, when did you yeah. come with the recognition of like, I always ask this question for me when I was studying, mm-hmm. it was like directing, producing and these umbrellas such as like theatre making or interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary didn't exist back then. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. like when you came across that word and how you settled upon those God, I probably don't even remember because it's like ages ago I would say when I started drama school and I had I went on Erasmus which is like you know the exchange semesters for different countries and one of the what the courses no sorry not the courses the course I went to was in Iceland and it was called the theatre making course or something I'm I'm so bad I can't remember any of this but I think the word theatre making was in it and I was like yeah that makes sense because I'm not a director and at that point I haven't directed anything in my life and I don't feel comfortable calling myself an actor because I don't I don't think you know I can be an actor I'm just in an acting course so theatre making sounds like a really nice middle ground that encompasses everything and nothing at the same time so I just used it but I have been quite the wanker. I used to say like cultural engineer. Oh my god, such a fucking wanker. Cultural sounds like such yeah. a legal jargon term. Yeah, I mean, it started because I was working with this, you know, multidisciplinary artist in Glasgow, and she was she was saying, you know, my family is full of engineers, like one's mechanical, one's electrical, one's software, um, and civil engineer, and I'm just the only like like artist, a useless artist in her family. She felt really sad, and without thinking, I just blurted, "Well, you're like a cultural engineer," and her face just lit up, and she was like, "Yeah, yeah, I guess, like, you know, I think it meant so much to her to say that because she came from a family of engineers, and I'm like, wow, this sounds great, I'm going to use it." Five months later, I was like, this is so stupid. Why did I say that? <laughs> Wait, you're touching up on something which I am to this day messed mm-hmm. up about. And as I was researching, where the hell is the geography in your life? So I, Scotland, Melbourne, like I got mm-hmm. you, Edinburgh, then like Iceland and then like America and then the UK. What What's happening? Are you trying to say like, are you asking for my timeline? Yeah, I'm asking for your timeline, your geography timeline. Wow. So let's quickly in a minute bust through. Oh my that. God. Born and raised in Singapore. When I was 15, I went to Australia for a week to train in Zen Zen Zoe. Then I stayed in Singapore until I went to uni. When I went to uni, it was in Scotland. That was Glasgow. And sometimes I'd pop over to Edinburgh for the fringe. But every summer is so geeky, so dorky. I used uh, I got into the Shakespeare training program in, in, in Stratford, Connecticut. So I went to the States. But then um, I ended up getting a residency in China. Before that, I went to Iceland for my exchange semester 
semester. Then I went to China. Then I went back to Scotland, finished my degree, was meant to move to London. Something happened. And then I went back to Singapore for five years, which was a blessing in disguise. I love my time there. And then after the, the pandemic, I thought, this can't be all there is to my 20s. I've got to make the most of it. So I came back to London and that's where I am right now. There. And breathe. <laughs> yeah, and breathe. Yeah. Melbourne I, was via Zoom, by the way. I literally didn't leave my bedroom. I gather that because I think you've told me that last time when we spoke. And I was just like, mm. I was intrigued by the whole perspective. Let's mm. talk about now you're directing, okay? So okay. let's talk about directing yourself, creating mm. work for yourself, and then creating Bulwars. Is it the first project that you did that you directed somebody else's piece, right? Am I wrong? I think, no, no. The first one was The Hummingbirds, but that was in a training kind of capacity. And I think Bull was the first professional capacity one. Got it. So yeah. how do you disassociate versus also associate when you're creating work for yourself versus other people like either you're writing for somebody else you're being commissioned by somebody else or you're directing mm. making for something else other than just you how you approach those two and how you also balance the unconscious biasness and biasness of like telling stories and being involved in like the meat of the story and how you balance all of that regardless of what I do I think I always need to to have empathy for myself and for other people I put in so much more work and pre-production work what's effort when I'm working with other people because I, I make sure I take care of them as much as I can I'm always looking trying to think three to five steps ahead when when I'm working with other people in the room but when it comes to solo work the work I do on my own I think it's a bit shit it's just very haphazard and me going like oh yeah I need to do that as well okay let's let's come up for a list so like when I'm thinking for other people right I make sure I'm very prepared I've got all my bases covered and when I'm working myself it's a lot more organic and a bit more scattered and I like both forms of working but the good thing is when I'm working with other people I know the work's probably going to be good because they are good with me so you know when you create for, your, for yourself suddenly you reach a point you're like I can't do this it's shit right but when you're creating with other people you look at them and you're like oh my god they're so brilliant this is good this is good you know and they challenge you you challenge them but when you're on your own it's just so lonely and so scary yeah <laughs> I quite prefer working with other people like, if, if anything I work with myself because I've got no money to hire other people or, like invite other people to be in the project if I had it my way I'd never work with myself ever <laughs> that was gonna be my question I was like so how do you continue never to <laughs> the only reason why keep putting myself in things because I've got no money to do other things like if I had it my way I'm always gonna you know put people bring people with me wherever I go I like togetherness and I like connecting people I like collaboration you know I like learning I like intersectionality I have none of that when I'm on my own I've just got Vic and you know I mean I want to say Vic is great but at some point Vic's just Vic I need more than that you know Nothing exciting about being on my own. It's quite boring. But interested to know is still when you're taking these projects, and you're, mm -hmm. you're talking like you take it to shy and you discuss it and then they're like, if it's not for me, I'll suggest you to this. Like, mm -hmm. what is that spark that gets you being like, oh, this is a good idea. I'd like to explore this more. Oh, how can I pitch it? How can I take it? And knowing like very mm -hmm. little that I know of you and researching on you, and having met you, you have this drive that I don't know. And mm -hmm. this confidence and this like thing that you have in you that is like work, 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 eat, sleep, work, work. And is that just a persona thing or that is literally because, you know, some people are like, look, I don't have enough time in the day. I need to work. I need to do this. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, like it's lost space. I need to move on to the yeah. next. I will make money. I will find a way. I will do this. Yeah. First thing to clarify Right. Lots of people think I'm a workaholic. I am not. I'm actually, I actually reject hustle culture. I hate the capitalist system. I hate industrialization. I have so much hatred for it. I don't know I was born into the system. Shit. But anyway, right. I think it seems like I work a lot because I like my work and I'm having so much fun. So I'm not actually chasing work. I'm chasing pleasure and I'm chasing fulfillment. I'm chasing connection. And I'm the kind of boring person. If I'm not working, I'm literally not meeting anyone. Okay. And I'm a really chatty person. I need to get my 100,000 words in a day. And that's why I keep working because that's the only way I meet people and talk to them. <laughs> and, you know, if I'm, if I'm doing a show, I've got lines to say, yay, yeah, more, more chance to, to, you know, to use my mouth and my words. But when it comes to, to working in general I hate working I wish I was in a position where I never needed to work I'm always telling myself like if I 
you know, if five million pounds or like 10 million pounds, a billion pounds dropped on my lap tomorrow, what would I do? I think I'd be doing the same thing, but stressing a lot less because I actually genuinely love what I do. I'm not just doing it to survive. I have to survive, right? That's just the luck of the draw. But, you know, if I had it my way, I literally be doing the same thing. I've been really lucky that I get to do what I love, right? And make a living from it. But if I were extra lucky, I don't need to worry about making a living anymore. I'm just doing what I love, full stop. Dysmorphia, do you want to quickly talk about that? Uh, sure, what do you want to know? Anything. Interested to know, because it's a personal piece, how you yeah. approached it, um, how mm-hmm. you safeguarded yourself or you mm-hmm. didn't safeguard yourself. And mm-hmm. were you content? Is that the right word to use with the final product? Or do you feel like there's refining to do and there's you still want to explore more about it? I'm the kind of person who never, who never feels like anything's finished. Everything's always a work in progress. So I wouldn't say, I mean, that is the latest draft, right? It's not the final product. And there's always things to work on with that. I think given the budget, the timeline, uh, the team, the, 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 the resources limitations we had, the team did incredibly well. In terms of you know the, the conceptual and artistic side, I can't really say for sure. I need someone to tell me if I did proper or not, because all I was doing was exploring. And there was a way for me to really dig deep into something I'm so insecure about. And it's a, now you meant, now I remember you mentioned something about confidence, right? And I'm really glad you say I'm confident because I don't feel that way at all I, I don't think I'm faking it like I, I think I'm honest if I know I can do something I would tell people I can do something and if I can't do something I'll tell people I can I'll work at it until I can do something and there's some things I just can't fucking do and I really can't but uh, with dysmorphia I was tackling something that I had not been able to address in a for a really long time in my life which is you know an eating disorder or like you know um, self-image uh, yeah body issues and these are things that I don't know if I still struggle with it. Um, I think I've managed it really well, but I'm not sure if it, you know, ever leaves you. I think it stays with you. Something that comes back and sometimes it goes away or you forget it a lot more. So I think there's a way for me to to really address what I what I experienced as a teenager because I, I found my blog and it was Oh my god, it was horrific. That you know, the the vitriol was spitting at myself and at the world. Like, you know, everyone hates me. I think they just want me to die because they insisted I eat that. Uh, you know, that 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 slice of ham. And like, how dare they do that to me? Like, are they trying to kill me? Like, the kind of of hatred I had for everyone and for myself, and how it was just related to you know body dysmorphia, which was which was related to how people see you know female presenting bodies and you know Asian women or girls or teenagers and you know the expectations we had um, on ourselves and and how tough that is on on anyone but you know at that time all I could see was myself was very insular so I think it's me just revisiting that and going I don't want that to be for nothing I want to do something artistic about it and maybe someone else will will read or, or experience it and go you said what I couldn't bring myself to say or you said what I've been feeling but couldn't put in words thank you for that and there were some people who did reach out to me uh, when I talked about it saying that was that was incredible what you did because I struggle so hard and I, I don't think anyone gets it so, so I think it's just me putting things out in the universe and going you know someone else will get something from this and I don't want whatever I went through to be for nothing if that makes sense Mm. it's not about me that if you know it, it is from me very personal but i was doing it hoping someone else would, would go oh my god i'm not alone because i felt really alone in that period all right we got to stop talking deep meaningful conversations we got to move on to mm-hmm. first questions if that's okay love it let's go quick questions your favorite part of the job what is people okay <laughs> three things this industry could do and do with and without with more money do without prejudice fabulous discrimination okay okay amazing words you would give if you looked in the mirror right now words you would give to your mirror self right now i've got enough i'm not very wise Ah, wash your hair regularly regularly (laughs) but to do it like every once every two days or something what is a measure for you for success now how do you measure success security fabulous one thing you would like for people to take away from either being around you or working with you reject hustle culture oh i think you would like to impart on somebody but you never got told always ask yourself if a white man were to say or do what you did would they be treated the same way <laughs> why do we, we come for the white person? I feel like I'm over that. I know. I I love. I've got so many. Okay, no, this is she's like. I've got. I've got. A, I've got a white girlfriend. Therefore, no, no, no. Love and respect to them. Okay, <laughs> but 
but they do have a confidence we don't have we need to learn that we have they have a presence and they have you know an assuredness and a comf- uh, that we don't have they've got their own troubles sure they've got their own challenges sure but they have never felt what it's like to be to to be in our shoes you know right. and that's very core to the way we relate to people we need to to learn from them they have things to teach us you know title of episode that entire thing learn from the white man learn from the white man <laughs> um your thoughts on the digital space its structure that it plays in our industry today pro and con on it and how to benefit it i love it i think it should be more accessible so in the sense that we get more chances to work with it not just a select few and I don't know what you mean by digital because that's always evolving but it sounds like innovation to me so we should learn to embrace it we don't have to make it theatre or replace theatre I don't think it can ever be replaced but we should embrace it there are new forms of storytelling um, and getting the message across out there and reaching audiences and if it's not for you it's not for you if it's for if it's and if it's for other people don't shit on it just respect what exists in the world Mm. Your strength as a maker, as an interdisciplinary artist overall, and something you feel like that is a challenge and you're working on constantly. Uh, my strength overall, uh, my collaborators, I am nothing without the people who work with me and believe in me and champion me and support me. What I need to work on is, oh my God, where do I start? What do I really need to work on is having to articulate my ideas in a more succinct way. A program or an opportunity for someone else that they must do. So because we've done so many programs, residencies and things like that, is there one thing that you would really suggest to somebody that they must do as a multidisciplinary creative? Live in another country. This is so fucking first world. Oh my goodness. Live, Seriously. Go fucking earn and live yeah. in another fucking country. Eat, pray, country. love, darlings. <laughs> um, so try it. See if you can find yourself in another country and experience it. Actually, no. No, fuck that. That was so, that was so fucking privileged. That We've got 15 me. minutes. Come on. I've, we still got games. Vomited. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Like, what's one thing? Uh, advice for everyone. Empathy. Listen. Challenge yourself always. Continue. I said a program or an opportunity <laughs> they should do, and you are giving life advice, but sure. Same answer. Okay, a tip on uh, auditioning, either whether that is like picking a monologue or how to handle the room. Don't be late. How to pitch your projects, a tip on that. Think of how that person is receiving what you want to say. Is it imperative to learn the business of the industry, i.e. like networking tools or like names of casting directors? associations like filmmakers researching on the industry never hurt never hurts okay these i love these one word <laughs> answers now a a advice or a note on survivability or the viability as a freelancer in the arts and a financial investment that one should make advice to give on that because i'm obsessed with that don't spend was... more than you say all right two philosophical questions quickly i always think a person who is convicted in their path has three really strong pillars that is confidence and grit that comes from within so something growing within spirituality mm-hmm. so that can be faith religion mm-hmm. whatever it is and the third is support so that can be financial support that can be like mm-hmm. family support friends mm-hmm. support however you want to interpret that not knowing a lot that i know about you and this is a twist on like what we need do you feel like if you didn't have those three pillars in your life, you would find your path to where you are today and do the work that you're doing? I think all I had was luck, really, because you can have all of those things. And if the opportunities don't present themselves to you at the time where you're at, you just don't get them. And uh, luck is basically it. You, luck, everything else makes, makes it sure that when you get the opportunities, you don't waste them, Right. But at the end of the day, I think it all depends on luck. So throw, throw it back at you there. Oh, I, I love it. <laughs> Peaks and valleys is a question I ask everybody. Peak is a high point of your personal professional life. What was it? What lesson you learned from it? A valley is a low point of your this personal or professional life. <laughs> um, what lesson you learned from it and what was it? I think a peak or something that I really hold close to me is the fact that there are people in this world somewhere who believe in me and you know whether they have the power to do anything about my life or my career they're still rooting for me and that means a lot a low is when you know I get inside my own head and go you you don't deserve to be here and you shouldn't be what lessons have both of those things taught uh, you yourself? don't trust yourself 
Or do. <laughs> when you can't trust yourself, you count on the goodness of others. And therefore, you have to be good to others because they will be counting on you. All right, time for games. Quickly, we've got this. 10 minutes left. The I love called... <laughs> Super child, play with right. Quickly, quickly, you got this. If okay. you were a movie, what would the title, the original title of that film be? Go. First thing that comes in. Vehicles. Here. What would the storyline be? Give me the logline that goes on IMDb. This girl just wants to have a good time, but shit keeps happening. Good. Give me three actors that would star in it. Me. My friend. Rye. <laughs> Who's your friend? Could Would you rather say the name? Maybe? Any, any of them. Any of any them. them. Selma. <laughs> me, Selma and Rye. Okay. Um, if you were a drink, what drink would you be? A matcha latte. If you were a food, what cuisine and dish would you be? Spicy. That's... In general. And <laughs> a dish? A specific dish? Chili. I don't even know. Chili. I'm, I'm literally, I'm literally the condiment that you sprinkle in your noodles and your rice before you eat it. I'm not, I'm not like the main dish. I'm just a little condiment, the thing at the side. If you were a fruit, what would you be? Durian. If you were a dessert, what would you be? Matcha. If you were just matcha's not very <laughs> desserty, but sure. Yeah, but I've got no personality. I'm literally, I'm literally just one note. I'm just matcha. If you were a color, what would you be? Rainbow. Not matcha. <laughs> Green. <laughs> If you were a clothing item, what would you be? A, cl- a wig. <laughs> That's not a clothing item. <laughs> what sort of a wig would you be? Just describe it. A cheap one from a vintage shop. Curly, straight, rainbow, oh. long. Okay, I'll be a bald cap. I'd be a bald cap. <laughs> if you were a flower or plant, what would you be and what type? Sunflower. Have you I ever, love. is the next, oh, I love sunflower. That's like me as a. As a yeah, I love that. All right. Have you ever, is the next question. Have you ever hooked up with a fellow artiste or admirer? Never. Have you ever flirted to get ahead in your career or life? No. Have you ever joined the Mile High Club or done anything intimate in public? No. Have <laughs> you ever peed while swimming? Yeah. Have you forgotten the words and made it up on the spot? Yes. Have you ever eaten within a couple of seconds of something dropping on the floor or in the bin? Yes. What would you rather, rich or fame? Rich. Critical acclaim or win lots of awards? Critical acclaim. Netflix or Prime? Whichever pays more. Fairy tales, mythological tales or real life stories? To perform in, to receive, to listen to, to tell? Interpret how you want to. Ah, bye. I have more questions. You have five minutes. Pass, pass, pass. World peace or equality? You can't have one without the other. Trick question. So which one would you have? That would. What the fuck? It, uh, because it's like the chicken or the he- egg. Like which one? They're literally the same. Okay, never mind. Uh, I will say equality. Because that leads to well, Pete. Dogs or cats? Uh, dogs. New writing or repertoire pieces? Both. Theater or film? Both. Regional or western? I'm done with you. Regional <laughs> or western? Both. Why are you? Why are you? All right, okay, this section fine. is called you. you. This section is called vehicles. Best and worst costume you have ever worn. Go. Best costume. I was a bubble. Worst costume. I don't have a worst costume. I was underdressed for a show and I was very cold. Okay. Best and most challenging role you ever did. Best role, being a collaborator in a room. Haha. <laughs> uh, most challenging, Pericles. Something you have done and you're like, I've ticked it off the box and I no longer want to touch it. Crowdfunded. Something you want to do and explore more of. Direct. This section is called, can you improv though? So I'm basically going to play two clips. Well, that are from your show reel and your Spotify and your- Oh my God, do not play my show reel. And you have to finish the next lines. There's no way I know this. You got this, you got this. It's the same with Valentine, anniversaries, weddings. They've all just become insincere expressions of love. Okay, you won't last long. He responds and after that you say what? What does he say after? Alright, I can play that. Are you serious? Yes. Deadly, deadly, deadly. Deadly. Ah! Ah! Nice. nice. Alright, this is the next piece. Oh my goodness, kill me. You're just being difficult. Why are you everything also quit one? And then I reach a vertical surface made of stone. Yes! The wall? The wall? You have to give me a couple of lines, but sure. Oh, the wall, the 
the the Great Wall. I see it in the horizon. It is very nice. I don't know. Let's see. Oh. Ha! Quit what? Quit. I place my <laughs> hand on it and my eyes trace its perimeter. <laughs> All right. You have to make a 30 second either. You can either pitch me a monologue, do mm -hmm. a monologue within 30 seconds, or you can pitch me a project that you want to do, but you have to include the following three words. Which one would you like? Uh, monologue. Okay. These are your three words. Why? Oh, you've got to put the words in a monologue. Yeah, you must pitch, include. Pitch, 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 pitch. No, too late. It's it's a monologue. The three words are wood, rainbow, and fragrant. Okay? Wow. 30 seconds on the clock and your time starts now. I really like this wood. The only thing missing is the smell of flowers. I do love a fragrant trip into the forest, um, but at least I've got a rainbow. Ah, life is great. You, oh, I've got to keep talking. I have to keep talking. Oh, no, don't, don't do that, uh, Stephen. No, uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not ready yet. Why, why? Look, listen, listen. I think, I think it's time we took a break from one another. I'm sorry. <laughs> nice. And your last two questions, we have come to the end. Your last two questions are, I love a rant, you love a rant, everybody loves a rant. You get to rant for 30 seconds about anything and everything that you want. However, the condition is, you have to start your rant or end your rant with, what the chai? All right, have you got something to rant about? Yeah, definitely. All right, your 30 seconds, go. So I'm getting really annoyed that every time I travel, I lose lots of money. Um, I don't see why we keep spending more and more to take public transport in London when it doesn't serve us very well. And I'm very tired of delays and tracks catching on fire um, and always missing my trains, my connecting trains because of a delay or something falling on the tracks. And what I feel is that I don't get how they you know, made an empire when they can't even make a railway system. What the chai. You said that around to me, which I loved. You messaged <laughs> And your last question is, I am obsessed with joyfulness and being joyful and bringing joyfulness to other people. So I would like to know, which goes according to your bio as well, because you like to create work, which is at the heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what is one thing that you do for yourself that makes you feel joyful? And what is one thing you do for others that makes them feel joyful? One thing I do for myself that makes me feel joyful, clean my room, keep it very nice and neat. One thing I do for other people that makes them or me joyful, chat, chat, listen, um, affirm, validate. Well, everyone, that brings us to an end and I hope you enjoyed that. I want to say a massive thank you to the guest for their time. All of the information about the guest, myself and the show will be listed in the bio. Make sure to follow, share, comment and subscribe. Show us all some love because isn't that what we want at the end of the day? Some love. Your support really helps the show and the message of it grow and the people that are on here. Thank you again. And as I always say, breathe in, breathe out. Now must go, which means now I must go. I own that. That is copyrighted and I will sue. <laughs> Joking. Have a great one and stay curious till next time. <laughs>